Warning, this episode has strong language and adult themes. When a youth watches a movie and decides to buy a Ouija board, they unknowingly enlist their thoughts, their soul, to a game, as they call it, for life. And we are shared such a tale in OK, Maybe I Should Have Never Bought It, by Hazo. You hear a crack, and a snap of your window beside you. What on earth could it be? Is your first thought, it's probably a friend? Well, certainly not, right? A true story shared by Red Rock Eating Monster. And lastly, a child seeks to be reunited with their loving parent, but that parent is simply not ready to see them. <laughs> In Always Leave a Note by Gloomcats. That one, folks, will have you looking over your shoulder. Listeners, nothing but creepy and strange today. And I won't keep you waiting. A big thank you to my white tea warlords, mega star Matthew J. Bauer, Wondrous Maya, and the brilliant Divided by Zero. I'm working on something special for you Patreons, in the White Tea Warlord tier. It will take a little bit of time, but I think you'll enjoy it. My way of saying thank you for being such brilliant people and supporting this show. Again, thank you so much. And my old grand forces, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Crisanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffaelli, and Michelangelo Yacone. The people that keep the show growing and reaching new heights. Thank you all for your support. And before I jump right on in, at the end of this episode, I'll be reading out three new reviews for the podcast as my thank you to those that show the podcast the love. Now turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and let the darkness sink in. Okay, maybe I should have never bought it. Spooky stuff has always been a passion of mine. Whether it's discussing ghosts, aliens, demons, haunted houses, I can't get enough of it all. The fascination started when I was young. I used to watch all those My Ghost Story or Celebrity Ghost Story shows. You know, those shows with the thrilling reenactments. That shit is still my jam, and they really piqued my interest in the paranormal when I was at a fairly impressionable age. The interest never died out. And it still hasn't. But it also kinda is the reason I'm in a bit of trouble. My little passion has sort of come back to bite me in the ass. Where it all really kicked off was during my freshman year of high school. Despite my love for the paranormal, I was never one for scary movies, mainly due to the fact horror films were typically rated R, so I just could never see them. This greatly changed for me when I was around 15. The alluring, but seemingly a bit odd, Ouija movie was coming out and guess what? It was rated PG-13. My 15-year-old heart had never heard something more appealing. A horror film I could see in the theatres. Incredible, stunning, work of art. So, I grabbed all my friends and dragged them with me to see the movie. I came out of the theatre absolutely obsessed with Ouija boards. 
just a teenager completely and utterly enthralled in the mystical, mysterious game. I needed one. I had to see if it was real. What it could do. Who could I talk to? But it took a while for me to actually obtain the board. For the most part, my friends at the time were able to talk me out of it. They seemed very scared by the concept of it, and the movie had the opposite effect on them than it had on me. Without anyone else on board, I decided against buying one at that stage in my life. I needed someone to do it with me, anyways. Two years pass, and the occurring thought of owning a Ouija board has seemingly passed me. I thought I grew out of the phase of wanting to mess around with ghosts. But then, another lovely movie gets released. Hitting theatres in the late October of 2016 is a prequel to Ouija. Ouija Origin of Evil. By this time, I had acquired a new friend group. These ones were less scared of stuff like this. They thought it was spooky and not really to be messed with, but they were largely skeptics. So, they agreed without any issue to going to see the movie with me. It was as mystical as the original movie, but I didn't walk out with the fascination I once had. The thought of owning one of the boards popped up in my thoughts again, but the urgency of it all wasn't like it was when I was 15. It was kind of tucked away in my brain, totally untouched, until my 18th birthday, until a certain gift card came into my hands. I received many gift cards for my 18th birthday, a totally normal and completely non-scary thing to be receiving, or so I thought. I was gifted one of these Visa cards, you know the ones you can spend the money on anywhere at any store, I think they're sparkly, and something about it felt right. I can't explain it, I can't describe it, it was just natural, interesting. This gift card, as impossible as it sounds, was meant to be spent on something wild. Something that I just needed to buy. It was time. The conditions told me it was time. I had decided it out of seemingly nowhere, and much to my friend's dismay. They weren't so much as scared by it, but just like kept telling me it was a waste of money. I didn't let it stop me this time. This was something that haunted me in the back of my brain ever since I started high school. There had to be something about it. A reason it kept coming up in my brain. It's like when someone says, think about a tattoo and if you still want it in a year, get it. It was exactly that experience. I was getting the damn bored. I planned a trip to the mall with my friends for my birthday. Shopping and dinner. Pretty innocent enough to them. I wasn't going to tell them my destination, the calendar and board game store. In fear, they just wouldn't show up. The night before the mall trip, my mum and I were looking at the Visa gift card. For some reason I can't recall now, I had a question about it, so she started taking it out of the package. After peeling off the back of it, she noticed something about the card. Hun, what did you say you were buying with this gift card? My mum asked. A Ouija board, I said from my seat across from her. Bringing a Ouija board wasn't an issue with my parents. They were very skeptical when it came to stuff like that, and had nothing against them. My mum chuckled, <laughs> then held up the card. The CVV number on the back was 666. Spooky! <laughs> she laughed, then handed me the card to put in my wallet. 
My heart dropped, but I brushed it off. What a funny coincidence, I thought. I didn't tell any of my friends about the card. They were already annoyed when I dragged them to the board game store and explained my intentions. Despite their annoyance, I had already convinced them to try the board out, with me at my house after dinner. They were skeptics. Why would they care about it anyways? I picked out my board. It was specifically the second one from the top, nice and fresh. I paid for it in such an unceremonious way. I never thought twice about what I was actually doing. This board was mine. It was mine forever. Brief research I had done a day before told me that fact. A swipe of a gift card and we were bonded. I just didn't know what that meant. Yet. After dinner, we went back to my house and used it in my living room. A white candle was lit for protection, and we said a quick prayer for only positive spirits to approach us. The session was kind of boring. It took us about five tries before anything wanted to communicate with us. We talked to a little boy whose English wasn't the greatest. After that, we deemed it a flop and said goodbye. And everything was normal. We used the board many other times after that to ask it silly questions about our futures and all that kind of stuff, but it was innocent. It was innocent questions asked by a bunch of teens. I didn't really know what was brewing, stirring up beneath the letters and planchette. I left the board at home when I left for college the following autumn. I particularly didn't want to initially creep out any of my roommates with my interest, so the board had to stay, at least for a few weeks. By early October, my roommate and I had learned our dorm was haunted. We lived in a particularly old dorm building and experienced some odd occurrences with knocks on walls and doors. I, being so foolish and wanting to impress everyone, suggested I bring my Ouija board when I went home so we could see what was really in the dorm. Everyone was insanely excited for it. I had a sense of pride in the purchase I made. I felt kind of cool, important even, and maybe this could be a way to get closer to my roommates. I could maybe finally be making some friends at college. But the fact I suggested it when it was nowhere near what I wanted to really do, I didn't think about it too much. But it was the first thing that popped into my head when I heard the dorm was haunted. I brought it back with me all giddy like a kid on Christmas Day. We had our little sessions in the hallway, a common ground between all of us. The board was more active than I had ever seen it before. We learned we had a family of ghosts living in our dorm, and I was so ecstatic. I was proud the board actually worked, and we got to meet who was making all the noises. The family consisted of a mother, her two children, and her brother. They each supposedly lived in each one of the rooms. The mother mainly talked to us, and she was the best. We easily, and sadly, got addicted to the board. It was a nightly routine to talk to the ghosts inhabiting our dorm room. The more we talked though, the more we experienced. One moment I clearly remember is my roommate had some glasses of hers broken. Just completely shattered out of nowhere with no explanation. Because it was routine, we asked the board about it. Confirmed. It was the ghosts. Anything that happened ended with us at the board. 
it was as if whatever was in our dorm knew what it had to do to talk to us. It was never an unsettling conversation, and it never gave any warning signs of being something demonic. We just talked. The ghosts became our roommates, who we went to for pretty much everything. It was harmless. It was fun. It was on me. Second semester rolled around and we all came back from winter break to use the board. We found a new ghost had joined us and the family we once knew left. This ghost was very nice, just like the last. He told us his life and his interests. It was once again like having another roommate. Still, the activity kicked on and off. There was more than just knocks on the doors now though. There was shuffling heard in my room throughout the night. There were door handles moving aggressively. Even shadows passing through were seen by some of my roommates. It got a bit hectic, but we laughed it off. It was just the ghost. We'd say over anything and everything. That should have been a warning sign. At least, to me. Because, you see, as I continued with college and left those dorm rooms behind, something had followed me. I didn't know it at first. I mean, there was no immediate sign after using the board. We were always respectful. We always said goodbye. But maybe things didn't say goodbye to us. Maybe things were sticking around. And after all, it was my board. I signed my name on that dotted line. I thought it was just to purchase a board game. I signed away so much more that night. I've lost privacy because of that board. My once normal home that had never had anything peculiar about it was not being haunted by a little girl. My dorm room now has a luring ghost that likes to bang on my walls and shake my door. I haven't even touched the board since my freshman year of college. But things come for me. Things are living in the board. Even if the board doesn't live with me. The board stays locked away in my closet at home. But it's never too far from me. It's always one shadow or one knock away from installing itself back into my brain. It taunts me, even when it couldn't possibly. Every little occurrence tells me I did it. I bought the board. I used my name, my money, my soul. It was just a silly thing I wanted after seeing one movie. And now, I don't even want to think of what it's done to me. But it wanted that to happen. It wanted me to be enthralled with it, to hang on its every word, to worship it, rely on it, remember it. We all make bad purchases, we all drunk online shop, we all look at stuff we buy and think, did I really need that? But this will never be like that. See, you can throw things away like that. You aren't attached to it, and they certainly aren't attached to you. But have you ever made a purchase? that controlled you, grabbed you, decided what you were going to do with your night, taunted you when you began to forget what was sitting in your closet waiting. Guess all the movies were right. It's not just a game. It was probably just a friend of yours. I was around 18 years old at the time, sitting in my bedroom and, no bullshit, watching The Purge for the first time. 
My bedroom window only had one latch out of the two locked because I would smoke out of it at night, being too afraid to go outside alone around 1am. So during the movie I kept hearing a light scratching, and I thought it was probably just another cat under the house. After about 5 minutes, I pause the movie and hear it again, but this time it's a little louder. Getting kind of creeped out, I reached under my curtain and pushed the unlocked side of my window down, and locked it. Looking back, the fact that one part of my window was fucking pried open should have alarmed me. I sit back down and hear a loud slam come from the bathroom. I run out to go check, and the blinds have fallen off. I ran straight to my parents' bedroom, and my dad immediately knew something was wrong. He gets up in all of his manly glory with a 45 and his tight white undies and runs out the back door to search the yard. He didn't see anyone, and we decided to call the cops in the morning. My nephew was staying overnight, and we figured there was no point in freaking him out over what we felt was nothing. So the next day, we took a look around. My window had scratch marks from a fucking crowbar, and the ledge was dented, as if someone was actually trying to pry my fucking window open. Whoever it was wore socks on their hands to try to push up the glass because there weren't any handprints. There were just long and dragged out marks the size of adult hands going upward. Mind you, my windows were very dirty, so it was easy to see. We lived in a very small town in Louisiana, so the police chief, who knew my parentals, came to the house for a formal report. He kept insisting that it was either a friend or maybe a boyfriend who couldn't get in touch with me. 1. Everyone I know knew my dad was always well armed and did not play that shit. 2. My cell is always on and I always answer, especially for friends at 1 in the morning. 3. That is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Friends don't wear socks on their hands and try to jimmy your window open, at least not without calling out your name first. We never did find out who it was or what they wanted. What still scares me even 10 years later is that the house was not quiet. The TV and a lamp or two were on in the living room. The bathroom light was on and my bedroom was very well lit since I was watching a horror movie. Yet this person still tried to get in through two different windows. The worst part is that if our bathroom window weren't so shitty, they would have made it in. To keep it open, my mum would use an old broom handle to hold it up, and unless there's something keeping it up, it immediately slams back down, which is most likely why the blinds came down and a loud slam was heard. It may just be me, but I'm pretty sure whoever it was wanted something from in our house so badly that they didn't care who was inside or if they were awake. If I would have opened that curtain before locking my window, it could have either scared them off or motivated them more to get in if their face was seen. So, to the creepy fuck who didn't make it in, let's not meet. Always leave a note. My husband took our kids to the arcade yesterday, so I could have some me time. They hadn't been gone more than an hour when I heard the familiar sound of my son's matchbox cars being pushed around on his racetrack. 
Assuming they'd come home early, I called up the stairs to my children. The sound of playing stopped, but there was no answer. Shrugging it off as a weird kid thing, I peeked into my husband's study down the hall, expecting to see him typing away at his computer. Finding his chair empty, I looked out of the front room window to see his car was not in the driveway. Upstairs, the sound of my daughter's talking Muppet toy startled me. Must be the cat, I thought. She's up there batting at things. I headed back to my room to relax and watch a movie. I had been enjoying the uninterrupted movie time when I heard a crash upstairs. I was about to shrug it off as the cat getting into mischief when I heard the unmistakable sound of kitty litter being kicked around in my adjoined bathroom. Had she been upstairs at all? What if it wasn't her earlier either? The idea that I might not be alone in the house caused a wave of panic to pass through me. Don't be silly. It's probably just an open window blowing things around. I'd need to go upstairs and check. Creeping up the stairs, the quiet of the house overwhelmed my ears. Only interrupted by the ticking of the clock at the end of the hallway. My children's bedroom doors were open as usual, and the glow from the midday sun shining through the windows spilled into the dark hallway. My son's room was closest. I gave it a quick scan and began walking to my daughter's when a faint shadow moved across the pool of light on the floor of the hallway. A ball of nerves formed in the pit of my stomach. I stood, motionless, straining to hear past the static of silence, past the ticking clock, and into my daughter's room. A ragged whisper. The rustle of papers. The scratch of a pencil. I was not alone. There was someone in my house. In my daughter's room. Hello? I regretted calling out as soon as I heard the rush of footsteps and watched the shadow come to the door. We stood in silence, the shadow and I, for what felt like an hour. It was only a handful of minutes judging by the slow tick of the clock. I couldn't be sure at the time, but the shadow looked small, childlike. The light could be warping it. It could belong to a large robber. I'm going to die. A strangled gagging noise came from the room and the shadow undulated unnaturally. I told myself to run, get to my phone, get to the door, get to a neighbor's house, get anywhere but here. My feet would not move. I was frozen in fear, listening and watching the shadows of the thing waiting for me. A foul smell traveled down the hall. My mouth began to water as my stomach churned. Don't throw up. Don't throw up. I swallowed the saliva past the growing knot in my throat. Black spots speckled my vision as the terror pulsed through my body. The arms of the shadow sprang out from its sides and I watched as small fingers gripped the edge of the doorframe. The tiny nails were blackened and chipped. The skin was stained in blood and filth. I covered my mouth to muffle a quivering gasp. My feet finally reacted and I slowly took a step backward. Right as I reached my son's doorway, the mangled fingernails dug into the wood as the head slowly entered the hallway, turning sideways at a severe angle to stare directly at me. Its hair was dark and dripping putrid slime onto my floor. 
Its eyes were cloudy pools of nothing, surrounded by pale skin, covered in oozing pustules and grime. Blood dripped from its nose. Finally, its unfathomably large grin became visible, shattered teeth rotting behind molting black lips. As the horrible child released the door and stepped into the hallway, I took in her torn clothing, a summer dress stained by the filth dripping from her hair and leaking from her skin. As she turned her body towards me, she kept her head resting on her shoulders. Only after I took a step backward did she strain to get it back into its proper position. The sounds of bones cracking and tearing flesh echoed in the silent hallway. With gnashing teeth, she lunged towards me. I sidestepped into my son's room, slamming my back against the door as it shut. Behind me, those tiny nails clawed at the wood. I closed my eyes and tried to block out the images of splinters lodging themselves in the nail beds. A distorted giggle came through the door as I heard footsteps head towards the stairs. A short while later, the front door opened and closed, leaving me in silence. It took me a while to pull up the courage to open my son's bedroom. Before entering the hallway, I grabbed his baseball bat and cautiously walked through the house. I checked every room, cupboard, and closet before locking the door and going back upstairs to look inside my daughter's room. On her desk was a soiled piece of paper with a note in her delicate handwriting. Dear Mummy, Daddy and Connor aren't ready to come home yet. Daddy asked me to come and get them a change of clothes. Theirs was ruined in the crash. We'll be back soon. We can't wait for dinner. Love you, Laurie. I've been hiding in the bathroom with the cat all night. I can hear them scratching at the front door. Well, a big thank you to all three authors, Helso, Red Rock Eating Monster, and Gloomcats for these stories. I gotta say, whilst reading the tale about the family whose rotting corpse returned to their house after a crash to haunt their mother slash wife, terrifying. I had my phone go off whilst reading it, and I tell you, I jumped like crazy. <laughs> the second true tale about the person or people trying to break in is super creepy. Glad to hear that you had a mechanism in your door frames and windows that protected you from the intruders. And lastly, the story about the Ouija board. Mates, seems like the board is the haunted object here, in tandem with the ghosts in their dorms. Creepy. Now I have three reviews I want to share. From Lee B. Absolutely incredible. This podcast had me hooked from day one thanks to the Telltale's interesting subject matter, awesome audio quality, and mesmerizing voice that has me begging for more. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you for putting together such an excellent show week after week. I truly appreciate all of the effort that goes into doing what you do. Please keep up the brilliant work. Forever a fan, Lee B. Now I know who this awesome fella is. Thank you so much, mate, for taking the time to leave this review. Thank you very much. And I've got one here, BrackXGD. Great. Just started listening from Florida. Well, hello there to any Floridians? Is that how it's said? I find the stories to be varied, very listenable, 
and just creepy enough to give me a tingle or two. I love that there are no commercials. Hey, I find that the love and respect the narrator offers up to his listeners is heartwarming. Now oh, that is super lovely to hear. Cheers, mate. Have an Earl Grey on me, you legend, buddy. Thank you so much, BrackXGD, for taking the time to leave this review. And Jessica Graham found the podcast via collaboration with Darkness Prevails, and I'm so happy I checked it out. Great stories, great narration, and I'm excited to binge all the old episodes. Thank you so much, Jessica, for leaving that review. It was a lot of fun recording with DP, and I can't wait to do it again. And lastly, thank all of you for listening. This Friday, I'll have some more creepy tales for you, so I can't wait to share them then. And as always, mates, till next, we meet.